God said, um, Exodus 31, and I started reading in verse 3, and he says, and God kind of gave me a word. He goes, this was when the children of Israel were building their tabernacle. They were building their, their, their place of worship. And God said to me, he said, verse 3, and I said, okay. And I'm like, I'm not quite understanding where he's leading when, it, when I first read this, but I'm going to read the first three verses. It says, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, see, I have called him by name the son of her from the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the spirit of God in wisdom and understanding and knowledge and in all manner of workmanship to design an artistic works to work in gold, silver, and bronze and cutting jewels for setting and carving wood and to work in all manner of workmanship. And God said to me, he goes, I am putting people who are workmen into work the, to build this tabernacle. They're going to be able to make this tabernacle beautiful Think about this. God says, you know what? I'm going to bring, make a tabernacle, but I'm not going to make it shabby for my spirit to live in. When God made his tabernacle and when his temple was made, it wasn't just a, 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 you know, a, a hut in the middle of nowhere. I said, oh, I'm just going to be here. He said, no, my, where my presence is, it's beautiful. And I'm going to make something beautiful. And God said, you know, I'm building this place to be beautiful so my presence can come into this group of people, can come into this church, and that this place will become beautiful and that people will want to come and worship God here and understand that God is present when we show up here. All right. So how many of you guys were with us last week? All right. So we talked a little bit about um, Ezekiel in Ezekiel 37, and God asked Ezekiel, said, takes him out to this valley, says, Ezekiel, Look at this valley of dry bones, Ezekiel 37. And he says, can these bones live? That's a hard question to answer from God. When God asks you that question, can you imagine what, you, what would your response be? Um, you know, first you're like, is this a trick question? What is this? And God's like, can these bones live? And Ezekiel says, he goes, only you know that, God. That's a good, safe response to God. And, and God's like, well, Ezekiel, he says, speak to these bones. He says, can these bones become living people again? Can they come back to life? And uh, he tells Ezekiel, he's going to speak to these bones. God didn't interfere, God didn't interfere and say, I'm going to show you how to do this. He said, Ezekiel, you do, you do this. He says, speak a prophetic message over these bones. Prophesy over these bones. He says, speak to something that cannot be done as though it can be done. And Ezekiel says, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says, look, I am going to put breath into you and make you alive again. I will put flesh and muscle on you and cover you with skin. I will breathe into you and you will come to life. Then you know I am the Lord. Can you imagine standing in front of that valley going, there's death and destruction. There's no life here. And God says, oh, hey, by the way, Matt, you got to speak to this and create something out of this. That's, that's a, in our natural mind, that is a daunting task. It's a huge, like in your natural mind, you're just like, but there's, there's nothing to create with God. There's nothing, there's nothing but dead things here. You want me to make a little sculpture out of them? What do you want me to make? And God's like, no, I want you to call breath into them. I want you to tell them to listen to the word of the Lord. Listen to what God has to say. How many of you guys know that 
when God created us, he created our skeletons. He created every part of us. And even though it's dead and dry, it's still created by him and it has to listen to him. It has to listen to the voice of the Lord. So he's asking Ezekiel, can this live? Can this become flesh again? Can it become alive again? He's challenging Ezekiel in what he thinks and how he, how he talks about what he's dealing with. You know, us in our natural, like, oh, no, that can't. That's just, that's just a, a bunch of dead stuff. That can't be. That's what we, we would say in our natural mind. But Ezekiel's standing with God and, you know, in his vision, God's standing next to him. And how encouraging is that when God's standing next to you and you're like, God's standing next to me, so he's with me. He's, he's constantly, you know, he's talking with me. And God says, can they live? I have a feeling that God's asking me if these can live. And I know that when he says, can they live, they probably can. So, Ezekiel speaks to them and he says, you know what? Dry bones live. Dry bones listen to the word of the Lord. He's not just asking them to, he's telling them to. There's a difference when we tell our kids to do something and we ask our kids to do something. When we ask our kids, hey, can you go take the dog out? I need you to hook him up on the leash so he can go to the bathroom. Okay. And then they don't do it. But then you tell them, go, take him, hook him up on the leash and so he can go to the bathroom, not in the house. God didn't say, Ezekiel, just talk to them, see what they'll do. He said, speak to them and tell them to listen to what God has to say. Ezekiel was not brought there to diagnose the problem. He was there to call out the pro- what the problem was and say, you know what? This is what it should be. He was an Old Testament prophet. God was teaching him a New Testament model of don't look at the bones and say, oh yeah, they're just a bunch of dead guys. They got killed, they got thrown there, and now they're just sitting there dry. He's saying, God is asking him to become a New Testament thinker and say, you know what? You need to live. Listen to what God has to say and live because this is what God is telling you to do. He was asking Ezekiel not to call them dry, dead bones. He was, asking them, he was asking Ezekiel to call them a living, mighty army for the glory of God. So I was, as I was thinking about this this week, I'm, I'm, God, that, that question, can these bones live? And it's such a, a weighted question because it represents a lot. It doesn't just represent a human body. It represents the, the lives those people had. It represents the lives that they are, were continuing to have after they, they became a, a mighty living army. I mean, it wasn't just something that Ezekiel just said, oh, well, you know, hey. Whether it was an open vision, whether it was real, whether it was a dream Ezekiel had, We'll, we'll never know until we get to talk to him and say, hey, what was that? Was that real? But I think that was God challenging him and saying, hey, you're gonna come, we're coming into a new era of what God is going to do in people's lives. God said, can these bones live? And then he said, command them to live. 
command them to listen to what I have to say. Not just, hey, you know, when you feel like it, you know, maybe if you get around to it. He said, command them to. Genesis 1.26, God says, take dominion over the earth. God gave Adam and Eve dominion over earth to be able to, to rule it and to reign it and to multiply. You know, there was Adam and Eve, but then the, the second Adam was Jesus. What did Jesus do? He brought us back into the original intent that God had for Adam and Eve to rule and reign and have dominion over this earth. He took Jesus and said, you know, I'm going to restore everything by Jesus doing what he does on the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection. I'm going to bring these people who trust in me and believe in me and call me Lord, I'm going to bring them back into the original intent that Adam and Eve had was to rule and reign over this earth and take dominion over it. You know, God said, be fruitful and multiply. And we just think, oh yeah, that family with 12 kids, they, they were fruitful and they multiplied to an extreme. You know, that's, that's what we think. We think, be fruitful and multiply. But God says, no, it's not about just your kids. It's about every area of your life. One times one is one. But that doesn't mean that God wants you to do one times one. God is saying, whatever he gives us, we need to multiply it. It's not just our family. It's not just how many kids we have, because there's no way I'd have 12 kids. I can, I can barely contain the two daughters I have running around and doing whatever they do. I mean, yeah, they're good kids. Don't get me wrong, but... I got a house full of girls. Say a little prayer for me. Um, But God wants us to multiply in every area of our lives. In our families, in, in our finances, in our love for him, in the amount of people that we can lead to him, show him the kingdom of God. Our talents, our gifts, he wants to multiply those. He's not just saying, oh, I'm just going to be fruitful and multiply your, your family. I want you, everything that is in you, everything that is about you to multiply so you can take some of that which you have, which is overflow, and give to someone. Your talents and your gifts that you can use and they can multiply for the kingdom of God to advance. You know, I... I if you've ever... Um, played any kind of sports with me. Um, I, I highly don't recommend playing sports with me because, um, or with my daughter. Um, she tends to be a little bit like me and um, we will try to dominate you in every aspect of um, the game. We're, we're just a little bit competitive. I don't play sports that often, but when I do, I will crush you. Um, and <laughs> but... God created us to have dominion. So we should have a sense of dominion. Not like I'm just going to rule over everybody. I'm, not gonna, I'm just going to crush everybody. But to have a sense of this is my father. He's placed me in charge of what he's, where he's put me. And this is what I have to have dominion over. This is what I have rule over. So when God placed us on earth, when he, we're born again believers, he places us in a, an area and says, take dominion over it. So we should have that sense of dominion, not like I'm better than everybody else, not that I I rule over everybody else, but I have dominion over the areas that God has placed me in. 
I'm going to take charge of it. I'm going to keep it right. I'm going to keep it going. And I'm going to, I'm going to multiply what God has given me. When God places you in an area, it's like, the, it's like the talents. God says, you know, I give you three. What are you going to do with it? I give you two. What are you going to do with it? I give you five. What are you going to do with it? When God places us in an area, he goes, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to take those talents and just, oh, this is what I got, put them in my back pocket and move on? Or is he saying, hey, the talents I've given you in the area I've placed you in, call those bones, at, take your talents and make something out of those dry bones. Tell those dry bones to live. You know, we don't raise our kids to be pitiful beggars. You know, you know, if if we were, um, you know, raised our kids to be that way, and we saw our kids panhandle on the corner right by Daniel, say, you know, throw a quarter at me, and I'll, uh, you know, and see if you can throw a quarter at me, we'd be kind of embarrassed watching our kids panhandle on the corner by Daniel's, going, oh, I need some free burgers. You know, we don't raise our kids to be pitiful beggars. We try to raise our kids to be powerful and knowledgeable and understand that they should be humble but still have power in their lives. We raise our kids to not let life defeat them. We raise our kids to go out and defeat life and say, you know what, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to let life roll over me. I'm going to take life and say, you know what, whatever comes it's not going to roll over me. I'm going to take it and whatever comes, if I push it out of the way, I, I go over top of it. Whatever it is, we don't raise our kids just to let life happen and lay down and let it roll over top of them. We raise our kids to be powerful because we want our kids to succeed. We want our kids to become something. You know, every generation, I want my kids to become something better. We look at the, the World War II generation. They wanted their kids to become something better and that generation wanted their kids to become something better. And every generation goes, I want to give my kids more than I had. So we raise our kids to be people who don't just wait for it to happen. We look at life and we say, you know what, if we let life happen to us, we're letting all of our authority that we've been given and we're handing it over and saying, do what you want. We're basically surrendering to what life, ha- how life is and what the enemy wants to do and just saying, oh, I give up my authority. Adam gave up his authority in the garden. Jesus came to restore that authority, but we have to remember who we are, what Jesus did, and take back what is rightfully ours. Jesus paid for that authority with his blood. He purchased us. He brought back that authority for us by his blood. It's a blood-bought authority. You can't pay a higher price than that. When we relinquish our authority, when we give up our authority, we're giving up what is rightfully ours from our Father in heaven who says, you know what? I created you to be fruitful and multiply and have dominion over the entire earth. And what he's meaning is this, is not go out and, and rule over everything, but to bring his kingdom to pass in every area of our life and bring his kingdom to pass in every neighborhood and city and suburb and town and village and every county and every state. We can't control everything that happens. We live in a fallen world. 
And we can't control everything in life. We may try to, but we can't. But we don't take it lying down. We have to have some kind of fight in us to say, you know what, man, I see an area that's becoming dry in my life. It's starting to look like the valley of dry bones and say, you know what, I'm going to speak to that. I'm not going to allow it to become even greater. It might be a ditch of dry bones right now, and you're saying, you know what, I don't want it to become a valley. I want it to become life. We don't take it lying down. We don't let life just say, you know what, I'm just going to take whatever life throws at me, and I'm just going to accept it for the way it is. We need to stand, plant our feet firmly in the ground, and say, no, I'm going to speak to this. I'm going to talk to this and say, you know what? No, God created us to speak. How did he create the earth? He didn't go, oh, I'm going to make this and form that and then just kind of throw it out there. He didn't make a little clay model and go, okay, now poof, now it's the world. He said, no, let there be light. And it talks about in Genesis that the spirit of God was hovering across the darkness and, and creating things. And he was moving through creating things. When we when we stand up against this fallen world, and I'm not saying standing up against people, but standing up in our lives and saying, you know what, what is happening in my life is not acceptable to me anymore. What is going on in my life is not acceptable to me because it's looking like a, a ditch of dry bones, but it's working its way into a valley. Or maybe you're in the valley going, where am I? I can't figure my way out of this. We have to start to look at it and say, you know what? This is not how I was created. This is not the authority that was given to me. I have greater authority. I have greater ability. I have greater talents. I have the ability to speak. But God says, speak. We need to stand and speak to what is happening in our lives. There's things that in, in our life that we can't control, but when it does happen, we say, you know what? No, this is not the promises of God. This is not where I should be. This is not what I was supposed to be. And we stand and we speak to those. We were created to be powerful and active people who speak up and speak out of faith for the situations and the areas in our lives. We don't just, well, you know, ah, that just doesn't look right. I know what God's promises are, but, you know, I'm just going to let it happen. We've all been there. There's times where we know it's like, man, this is the promises of God, but it's tough and it's just like sometimes we just, man, I know what it is, but we don't become active in it. And we're like, you know what? Uh, Just struggling with this right now and I know what God's promises are, but we stand back and we don't allow it or we stand back and we allow it to happen and then when it gets a, a little too much, then we finally stand up and go, no, 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 now this is enough. God's saying stand to it so it doesn't ever enter in there and so you can say, no, this is, it. This is where you stop. We were created to speak out faith in our lives. It says it's impossible to please God without faith and it says it takes faith to move mountains. So, if God created the world, 
with faith and speaking it out. And he gives us the ability to speak and create with our mouth, with faith. We activate faith through speaking. you look at the children of Israel, they, they wandered through the desert, you know, they got up to the edge of the promise and then they're looking over and they're like, oh, it looks so good, but, you know, nine guys, or, you know, excuse me, uh, ten guys going, oh, oh, we can't do it. It's not big enough. And there's two guys going, let's take them. We'll go in by ourselves and take them. They're, they're standing at the edge of the promised land going, this is what has been promised to us. It's milk, it's honey, we have finances, we have everything to create a, a perfect economy to get our country going. And ten people go, well, I don't know, they're a little big and they, we look like grasshoppers in their sight because they probably were too afraid to go in and, and take one area. But Joshua and Caleb were like, no, I'm going to... Uh, Joshua and Caleb are, you know, think about this. Joshua has wandered for 40 years in the wilderness. So he's got to be at least close to 60. And this guy still got enough fight, had enough fight before he wandered to go and say, let's take him. But then, at the end of the 40 years, he's still got enough fight. He's angry. If someone took that from me, I would be angry. Those, those other 10 guys would be like, you're stupid. Why'd you do that? We could have taken them. So Joshua is standing on the edge of the promised land before they enter. Moses is passed, and they're getting ready to enter. He's like, this is my country? For 40 years, he's stewed on this. And like, this is my promise. This is what's been stolen from me. I'm taking it back. He's like, I'm going to stand to whatever is there and I'm going to defeat whatever is there. They lived from miracle to miracle, the children of Israel. That was awesome. During the wilderness time, they were living from miracle to miracle. God's, you know, sending them food. He's sending them, uh, you know, shade. He's sending them heat. He's sending them everything they need. But it wasn't the standard of living that God had for them. The standard of living was entering the promised land that before the four, when they first crossed the Red Sea to enter the promised land, but they waited 40 years. God probably didn't make them wait 40 years to do it. It took 40 years for everybody to die off so he could say, I got a new generation that's going to go in. Because, oh no, well, it's been a year. Well, I don't know. They still look pretty tall over there. We probably should go back. And then another year. And then another year. Can you imagine that weighing on your mind every season? At the end of a year, going back, and Joshua's like, let's go, let's go, let's go. And he's like, and everybody's like, yeah, I don't know. They're kind of big and tall, and they're strong. And he's like, let's go take them. But they lived from miracle to miracle for 40 years in their existence. But God's standard of living, he wanted them to enter into their blessing. Joseph said, take my bones when you go back. Take my dead, dry bones and take them and bury them there because I want to be in the land of blessing. I want my bones to be buried in the land of blessing. The promised land. So God promises us things in his word. He promised them their land. But what did they have to do? They had to take that. They had to go and procure their land, we'll say. They had to fight for it. God wants us to live a full, blessed life. To say, you know what? At the end of our life, say, you know what? My life wasn't perfect, but I received and I lived in the blessing of God. If we move from miracle to miracle, we're not moving from faith to faith. Miracle to miracle, a miracle, don't get me wrong, is an amazing thing, but that miracle to miracle in that 40 years was God's welfare for his people. Not the blessing. 
It was just enough to get them through. Manna, just enough for that, for that day to get them through. But God said, I want you to go into a land that's full, not dry, not barren. I want you to go into a land that's full where your blessing is so you don't have to live on manna. Can you imagine walking in a couple days after going like, where's the manna? We haven't seen manna in like two days. I wonder if it's, it's done. God's saying, oh, now you take your blessing. Go, take what you, I have given you. When we move from faith to faith, God's saying, call your field of dry bones a living army. Call that valley of dry bones a living army. Speak to the barren land of your finances. Speak to that barren valley or that dead valley of your health, your identity. God's saying, take and speak to that area that looks dead. Speak to sickness, speak to identity, speak to your finances, speak to those things. We're not name it, claim it, blab it, gab it, whatever you want to call it, you know. I'm just saying is we understand who God is, we understand who our identity in, God, in, in Christ is, and we understand that when we go to God, we can say, oh, God, oh, your table? I can grab this off your table. We don't just, oh, well, God, I need a Ferrari, and, and you know, I'm just going to keep speaking it until I get it. God's up there going, you don't even have a job right now. Why don't you start speaking for a job and not, and not a Ferrari? God does not want us just surviving. He wants us to live a full and promised life. We speak in faith what God has promised us. It's how we access God's promises. We understand it's not just, well, I need a Ferrari, waiting for a Ferrari to show up. Oh, still waiting for my Ferrari standing out there. God's like, go get a J-O-B. And then you can get, maybe you can buy a car and then... Later on, when I see that you're faithful, we'll work on that. But we have to start looking and saying, okay, God, you've promised me this. I'm going to speak in faith, call out those things that may look like junk. I'm going to call them out to be what God has promised them to be. Proverbs 18, 21. You guys probably know this scripture. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it and indulge it will eat its fruit and bear the consequences of their words. That goes both ways. That's not just, well, you know, if you, if you speak, bad thi- speak bad things, you're going to get the consequences of it. Well, the consequences of good things are what? Good things. So when we speak something, whatever fruit we, sp- whatever we speak out, we're going to eat that fruit. You guys ever eaten a crab apple? Didn't realize it was a crab apple till you bit into it? Or just a tree that really got bitter? Our neighbors have a tree. I went to feed their dog. I pulled an apple off him, a nice apple. Sliced it open to make sure there was, I wasn't eating any uh, fungi or anything crawling through it. But into it, I'm like, that's gross. I'm like, it's bitter. God wants us to speak out what he has promised. And the fruit of that comes to comes to pass and and it, and it may not be immediate because we know when you plant something you have to wait for it to fruit you have to wait for it to blossom you have to wait for it to be pollinated you have to wait for it to produce fruit god says in my kingdom i can produce fruit like this or it may, may take time but he's saying when you speak to that situation and when you start to speak life into that situation fruit will start to grow 
we've got a pear tree that our horse has trimmed about six inches off of the off of the, there's just nothing but stripped off branches and but there's fruit up there and it started like that it started as a little flower and then it started as a little it looked like a little um little nugget and then it started growing and growing now there's there's pears out there and i'm like okay i go out every day i'm like tap one nope still hard you know go back and 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 but god says your fruit is sometimes instantaneous and then sometimes it's a little weight Your future is determined by how intentional you are with your words. You can be super intentional with your words and destroy whatever you want. And you can be super intentional with your words and be building and and speaking life into something and you will create something in your life. But your words, like Ezekiel was being shown, will create something out of nothing. A pile of dried up dead bones scattered throughout the valley. We don't know how many of it, how many it was, but it said it was an army. And God's like, you need to speak to that. He, he was teaching, if you look throughout the Old Testament, Moses, he's in the wilderness, and God says, this time don't hit the rock, speak to the rock. Tell it to, to give water. And you look throughout the Old Testament, and God's telling his people to speak to it because he's trying to bring them into a new way of, of faith and a new way of receiving from God, but they weren't getting it. And finally, Jesus shows up and says, this is how you got to do it, because they weren't getting it. There's a reason why Jesus called them a, a, a corrupt, perverse generation that doesn't listen to God, because for 600 years, you haven't listened to how I've been trying to tell you to do it, and now I have to have Jesus, my only son, to come down and say, you've got to speak life over your situation. Intentional speakers are not know-it-alls. You guys ever met a know-it-all? You can talk about something. I've made up stuff to know-it-alls, and they're like, oh, yeah, I know all about that. And I'm like, I just made that up, you know. And um, they know everything. You can tell them something. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, I know that. Yeah, I know that. I, I, I've set a couple fibs to, to know-it-alls just to see if they know it all, and they don't know it all. Um, and... They know everything. You can never tell them anything new because they've, they've either seen it or they've experienced it and it's nothing new. To them, there's nothing new under the sun because they've experienced a full, everything in life. They know everything and never, can never be told anything new or exciting. It's just like, oh yeah, I knew about that. They always tell you how to live and how to do things but they never have success in their own lives because they know it all. Intentional speakers are opposite. Intentional speakers are this. I don't know what I'm doing sometimes. There's times where I get a situation, it's like, oh God, I need your help. I have no clue what I'm doing here and I need your guidance on this. Intentional speakers are opposite. They stop and assess where they are, stop and listen to the Lord, 
they let him give them a download of what they need for their situation. They speak into their life what God has shown them to speak into their life. How many of you guys have ever been in a situation you're not quite sure what to do and you just go, God, I need you. I don't know what this is. I don't know where to start with this one and I need it. I need something from you to, to be able to do that. And our moms always said, if you don't have anything good to say, what? Don't say anything at all. I'll close with that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but there's times where I believe God just says, I'm going to put you in a situation that you have no clue what is going on or how to do anything. You may have one little ounce of, ounce of understanding, of it, but then you're, you're on your own. And God's like, because I'm waiting for you to go to me and say, I need understanding from you. I need wisdom from you. I need a little more intelligence in this area from you. But God says, come to me, ask me for that. And if you don't have anything good to say, don't say it at all. You know, like Ezekiel, he could have said, oh, it's just miserable and it's dried up and there's no life here. Nothing's ever going to be accomplished here. His mom probably told him that. If you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at all. And you're standing in the presence of God, so you're not going to be like, well, you know, God, this is just worthless. I would just totally uh, just leave this. You may want to just sell this off, this piece of land off, and just just find a new piece of land. Something nice and, and plush and, you know, has palm trees and a little oasis. But God's like, no, I want you to create something from what you're speaking. We all want the easy life. We all want it to be how we want it, when we want it, and... Sounds like a Burger King commercial, but, um, and we want it with no pickle and no lettuce. And, but God's saying, it's not always going to be how you want it, when you want it. But I'm saying is, he's saying, speak to that situation so it can become what I've created, I've designed it to be. God is not looking for people to be a blabbermouth, just running around going, blah, 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 blah. You know, all they can do is recite Jesus, Bible, God, and run around. So they say, oh, Jesus, Bible, God. And you're like, I don't even understand what they're saying half the time. He's looking for people who can be alert to him and craft words and phrases with their faith to speak over the valley of dry bones. You guys ever heard of a wordsmith? It's not, it's not close to a blacksmith. Basically, a wordsmith is a person who can skillfully use their words. God is looking for people who, with their faith behind them, can skillfully use their words to build the kingdom of God. God is looking for you to speak over those dry valleys, those dry fields, and say, speak something creative with your faith over those dry areas. Be a wordsmith. So that when something will be created, may reap the full blessing. How many of you guys know that when you create something with your words, we always want the blessing and we want it now. Oh God, I want this blessing. But how do you, many of you guys know that sometimes we don't see the blessing because it takes time for it to grow and, fruit, and be fruit and our, and our kids see it or our grandkids will see that blessing. We want the blessing. Oh God, I want your full blessing now and I want everything. In. But God's like, I don't think of now, I think of generations. I think of legacy. I think of heritage. Where you came from and what you're leaving. So when we speak 
We have to say, you know what, this valley of dry bones, my family who's never come to church and has nothing to do with God, I'm speaking over that they will come to Christ, that they will know Christ and be part of the kingdom of God. And you may not see it in your lifetime, but what you've done is you spoke over that valley of dry bones and say, the death that is in my family, I'm, I'm, I'm releasing the blessing of God. I'm releasing the life of God over my family so that they will come to Christ and know who he is. Be a creative wordsmith. Be a faith-filled wordsmith. So, man, there's some people out there that use words. I'm like, what are you even talking about? They, they use some big words, and I'm just like, mm, could you use like a, I feel like a kid at the spelling bee. Could you please use that in a sentence? You know, like, I don't know what you're saying. But God is saying, be creative with your words. Be creative with your faith. Look in, a, look in the area of your life and say, man, that is dry, it is parched, and it looks like a barren land. And God's saying, speak to it so it becomes life. Speak to it so that he can do something with it. Speak to it so that the Holy Spirit can move in it. Let's pray.